Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. What is up, everybody? We're going to talk about how to hone in on the things that are going to make you way more powerful. Now, the key is you cannot let yourself get sucked into bad habits. That will destroy your overall success. And at the end of the day, I can tell you right now, success comes down to your mindset, your willpower, and your ability to master new skills. And this episode is going to bring it all together. So let's get into it. If you want to achieve anything amazing in your life, I can tell you right now, you've got to break your bad habits. If you want to achieve something incredible, step number one is to understand that the way that you break your bad habits is by letting them atrophy. So you don't spend a lot of time thinking about the bad habit and how we're going to break it. You have to find something new that you're going to put your time and attention into. Now, there is a bit of both, though. So it's going to go like this. Step number one, you're going to pattern interrupt. You go to do that negative thing. You call it out immediately. You stop yourself in the middle of it. If you, let's say that you want to get in shape and your bad habit is midnight snacking and you're so used to doing it that you sleepwalk out of bed, you open that fridge and you start cramming things into your face and you get four bites into stuffing your mouth. Most people go, oh, it's already shot, it's already wasted, it's done, I might as well finish the thing. Not anymore. That doesn't make any fucking sense whatsoever. At the moment that you realize you're doing the thing that you said that you weren't going to do, you're going to pattern interrupt, say, I don't do this anymore. I don't snack at midnight. You can say it with crumbs hanging on your face, the taste of cookie in your mouth. You're going to remind yourself, I don't do midnight snacking. Spit out what you have left, throw away what's in your hand, close the refrigerator door, swish your mouth out, spit back in the sink, brush your teeth, do whatever you have to do to remind yourself that in fact, you don't do that thing anymore. All right, that's the easy part, pattern interrupting. The new thing is you've got to have a new habit developed. To develop a habit, you've got to identify something that you want. The whole point to building a habit is that it's going to get you somewhere that you want to go. If you don't want to go somewhere badly enough, you will not have the energy that you need to see it through. When you go to the fridge and it tastes so good, when you're eating, the thought of having six-pack abs or the thought of holding your kid as they grow up, the thought of being able to walk your daughter down the aisle, whatever it is, that's motivating you to want to get in shape. In that moment, it's got to show up and it's got to show up big. So the way that we break the bad habits, the way that we let them atrophy is we get so 
excited about this new thing that we're putting all of our time and attention into that. Suddenly that other thing begins to fall away because it is the enemy of what we want. And we actually want this thing. That's why you can't pick bullshit. You've got to pick something that you actually care about. This has got to be something that you really want. Now, if your secret question is, Tom, how do I build a habit when I don't know what I want? Then the answer is very different. Then the answer is you have to find something that you want and build desire around it. Now, you find the thing that you want by going and exploring by playing, by trying things, trying a lot of things until you find something that gives you more energy than it takes. Think about your life. How many things drain you of energy? How many rob you? How many make you tired? How many wear you out? How many make you want to stop and go home? How many make you want to punch yourself in the face? How many make you want to punch somebody else in the face? How many of them rue your life choices? Now, when you're doing something that makes you rue your life choice, That's when we say, ah, this is something that takes more energy than it gives. So we're going to go out and we're going to find that thing that gives you just a little bit of an edge. It makes you feel alive. It's exciting to do. You look forward to it. It's the kind of thing that you do on a weekend that you look back and say, man, I had a lot of fun that weekend. We're going to find that thing. Then we're going to build desire around it. To build desire around it, it's going to have to tie into you making your life better and making the life of somebody else better as well. It's just the way that it goes, the way the human mind is wired for you to really get something out of what you're doing. It's got to serve not only yourself, but other people. So how is this thing that you love doing? Let's take guitar, something that feels like maybe this is just a purely selfish thing to do, and see how we can do that in service of not only ourselves, but other people. So let's say that you sit down, you decide you want to get good at guitar because you want to be a rock star. You want to be out on stage. You want everybody's eyes on you. It's a very selfish thing, right? Well, why are they giving you their eyes? Because you're making them feel some kind of way. You're able to uplift somebody on their worst day. You're able to change somebody's mood. Do you know how powerful music is? Read the book by Oliver Sacks about music, which I'm forgetting the name of, but it's about sound and music specifically by Oliver Sacks. And in it, he talks about how you can have somebody in the grips of Alzheimer's disease, but they'll remember their favorite songs from when they were a kid. You can have somebody that's in a vegetative state and their brain waves will change when you play music from their past. It's absolutely incredible. Music is one of the last things to go when the mind deteriorates. So now, yes, you wanted to be on stage, because you want the attention. You wanted to be on stage because you want to be celebrated. You want to be a rock star. But now, if you really want to have the desire that you need to have to make this a new habit, something that sticks in your life, something that you will have the energy and the ability to fight through, to focus on, when all of the other bad habits are calling your name, you shift it to, I'm not just doing this because I want to be a rock star. I'm doing this because I want to change somebody's mood because I want to give them a song that they can fall in love with, that they can fall in love to, that they can sing to their child, that they can create family memories around. And it becomes about that connection with them. It becomes about something that you can give to them. It becomes about connection. It becomes about service. And once you get that, now you're in the process of building desire. 
Now you have a real reason for wanting to do that. You see that you can move and impact other people. And we have hardwired into our brain a desire to serve the group. And when you do that, now you've got the energy that you're gonna need. Now you've got the desire that's going to allow you to see this through long enough to repeat it over and 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 over long enough to become a habit, something that you do habitually, something that you do without thinking. That's really where you have to take the habit. It's gotta be something that you do without thinking and we only get to that stage because we love it. As the joke goes, you don't have to convince somebody to get fat. That just takes care of itself because all you have to do is eat food you really wanna eat and sit around the house and do nothing. That one's easy. That comes easily. Getting in shape, that one's hard. You've gotta do things. You've gotta earn that. You've gotta put in work. You've gotta be bored. You've gotta push through pain. You've gotta be disciplined. You've gotta not eat things we wanna eat. The only way to do that is to really want the thing on the other side of that difficult choice. So the question is, what gives you enough energy that you're willing to get into that loop of desire to figure out how it connects you to other people, how it lets you serve other people, to bring that front and center as you're doing that thing. If you do all of that, even in this explanation, can you see that thinking about doing something that allows you to serve other people, how badly you want it to be on stage, to connect, to do something that adds value. You're not thinking about that old thing that you used to do. In my case, it was lay in bed. I wanted to lay in bed and just hide away from the world and be warm and cozy. But once I realized that I could change my wife's life and the lives of everyone in my family, if I just got out of bed, did that hard, cold thing and pushed myself to become better at business, at writing, speaking in front of a camera, that if I did those things, I could build something that other people couldn't build. And now here we are. But it started with that desire because I really did used to lay in bed four to five hours a day every single day. That was a bad habit. And I broke it by saying, I don't lay in bed. I get out of bed in 10 minutes or less, no matter what, rail, sleet, heat, snow, cold, hopefully not in my bedroom, but you get the idea. No matter what, I'm getting out of bed. So identity statement, pattern interrupt, desire, execution, and any habit is yours to have. Greatness awaits. My life, for better or worse, has been one long battle to overcome my lesser instincts. So I've had many bad habits in my life. The most brutal one is laying in bed. That was the one that I really had to overcome. But the other is, when I was a kid, I was diagnosed with hyperactivity disorder. Nowadays, they would call it ADHD. And while I know some people are gonna say that that isn't a habit, I'm here to tell you whatever you allow yourself to do is a habit unless you have like a twitch or something that has uh, a neurological underpinning that you can identify. And even those things, you can almost certainly do things that make them worse and things that make them easier to deal with. So we're gonna take full responsibility for our lives and realize that we can do things to break these habits. So for me, getting out of bed, for me, allowing myself to be distracted, 
For me, not sitting down and meditating when I knew that that is one of the ways that you can build the discipline that you need to stay on task, to stay focused. And another one, and this is a bad habit that I know a lot of you right now have, lean in. I so often see people make the same mistake that I suffered from for years and still to this day must stop myself from doing. And that is doing the easy things first. Doing the fun things first. The right order to do things is order of importance. What's the lead domino, as Tim Ferriss would say? You know what your goal is. You know where you're trying to go. You know what you're trying to get to. What's the order in which you can execute on your task list that's going to make everything easier? If I do this first thing first, everything after this is going to be a little bit easier because this contributes to the most things in the downline. So I'll give you an example in business. If ever you have two tasks before you that are of equal importance and one of those tasks is hiring, hiring is always the lead domino because now you have doubled the amount of things that can get done because before it was just you. If you hire, now there's you and this new person. But all the time, I see people avoid doing the hiring because it's a pain in the ass. It is a long, difficult process. It requires you to do a lot of boring shit But the reality is, if you keep putting it off, it never happens. And you end up doing everything yourself forever because you fail to recognize that hiring is a lead domino. From there, everything else in your life gets easier. So yes, you have to do the hard thing up front. And I struggled with this, with hiring. I came up with this rule because as Nietzsche says, I don't know if he said this exact words because this might be somebody else's phrase, but certainly this idea is well in his world that every theory is autobiographical. Every theory is autobiographical. So if ever you hear somebody say, everybody's an asshole, what do you know about them? They're an asshole. So when I say that, hey, if you struggle with getting out of bed, it's because, hey, you're doing the easy things first. It's because these are the things that I've struggled with in my life. So no judgment, but it is not useful. It is not easy. It is not going to serve you. You want to make sure that you write things down. So write them down before you get to that point. So I keep an important things list. So just doing things willy-nilly, one of the biggest habits I had to break. So I started writing it down. I put them in order and I forced myself bad habit. Oh, these things are equally important. No, they're not. You have to force yourself to force rank them. So break my bad habit. No, they're not. I'm the kind of person that can put things in sequential order. There's only one number one. There was only one number two. There was only one number three, so on and so forth. Some of this stuff comes down to you just do or don't do it. It's that simple. As Yoda would say, there is no try. Do or do not. So we're not going to allow ourselves that excuse. We're going to put things in order. The number one thing is the lead domino that's going to knock everything else out. And then I'm going to be disciplined enough to actually execute in that order. And I because I'm so easily distracted. I'm not going to allow myself to be distracted. And because I know how easy it is for me to get off task, I'm going to practice coming back to the task, back to the task, back to the task for meditation. So I'm going to do that at least five days a week. And I'm going to bring myself back to the breath, back to the breath, so that I get very good at coming back to the breath, which makes me very good at getting back on track. And so constantly taking responsibility in my own life, which that is the mother load. So of course, 
In the beginning, I was making everything everybody else's fault. It's not my fault. My car broke down. How could I have been on time? It's not my fault. I was never taught that in school. It's not my fault. I don't come from money. It's not my fault my parents didn't teach me that. It's not my fault my mom smoked when she was pregnant. It's not my fault I was raised with a bad diet. It's not my fault I have bad genetics. Those are all real excuses that I've made. And then one day I realized, well, maybe that's true. Because the most insidious thing about excuses is that they're valid. All of those things really are true. I'm not nearly as smart as I want to be. I'm sure that my mom smoking while she was pregnant did not help my memory, which is one of the things that I struggle with the most. Another one, it's not my fault I have a bad memory. But the reality is that either I recognize this is how my life is, and now I'm going to do things the way that I need to do, push harder in areas that other people don't have to push into. My wife, who's half my size, can match me calorie for calorie, and she will sweat through the bed sheets, and I'll get fat. And that's really frustrating. Now, I can either complain about that, or I can recognize, cool, my wife has genetics that are very good at kicking off extra heat as a way to get rid of excess calories rather than storing it as fat. But my reality is that I do store it as fat, so I'm going to have to address my diet if I want to have a certain physique. It just is what it is. And by moaning about it and recognizing that it isn't fair and blaming God or my parents or whatever, I make no progress. By owning that myself and no longer making those excuses, I'm able to break that bad habit and now start making real progress in my life. And that's the whole point. It isn't to be shamed. It isn't to feel bad. It's not to have any guilt whatsoever. I don't think you should waste any time with that. I think you should merely recognize that you're in control. You could make a different choice and get a different outcome. And once you realize life's greatest gift, you're always in control. You can always make a different choice and thusly get a different outcome. If you don't believe me, read two books, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, about a man in a concentration camp who realizes he can always control his own mind, and read The Gulag Archipelago by Solzhenitsyn. It is an insane tale about how even in torture, some people would refuse to break. Now, they got killed, but that's a pretty compelling example. There's just some people, there's nothing you can do to make them give up the sovereignty of their own mind. Now, I don't know that I'm man enough to do it. Let's be real honest. But it's a powerful reminder that I have a choice down to the nubbins. So... If we all know that we can make a different choice and get a different outcome, then we can take control of our lives and do whatever it is that we are trying to accomplish. But first you have to realize that that's a bad habit that you're doing because a lot of people just think that they're recognizing reality. But in truth, you've identified yet another bad habit. That was certainly one of my worst. So yeah, staying in bed too long, making excuses, the ultimate bad habit, um, not doing things in proper order, doing things willy-nilly, those were really the ones that over time I've had to shave away to really make progress in my life. But if you listen to none of that, remember the one thing, never, and I mean never, make excuses. I cannot guarantee that there will be any success in your life, but I can guarantee that there will be struggle. 
So the key is to understand what kind of mindset you have to build in order to push through the difficult times so that you can achieve your goals even when things are brutally difficult. When you set a goal, your goals make a demand. They tell you exactly what you have to do in order to accomplish the things you want to accomplish. If you want to be a gold medalist in the Olympics, then your ass better get up and train like a gold medalist has to train. And if you want to win a gold medal in swimming, you better not be training in tennis or playing video games. That doesn't make any sense. Your goals dictate that you've got to be out there playing in the swimming pool, practicing in the pool, swimming the laps, putting it in, getting good at the things you need to do to win that specific event. But the mindset is one of pushing through pain, holding yourself accountable, identifying the obstacles, finding a solution, always being solution-oriented mindset. And by the way, greeting pain like an old friend. Let's see how angry I can make people with something that is the God's honest truth. When I'm trying to get lean, and I think everybody should develop the ability to lose fat in a controlled fashion, nobody should do it and give in to mental illness, and I understand that that can be a trigger for people. Everyone should develop the ability to do it well. You should be in control of your body. Your body should not be in control of you. When I am going hard and dieting and trying to get lean, I welcome the hunger as an old friend because the hunger is a reminder that I'm moving towards my goal. Now, I wanna remind everybody, you're doing this in a way that is good for your body. You're not doing this in a way that is destructive. In no way, shape, or form am I going to accept the excuse that people, oh, I can't do it because I can't control my life. And therefore, people let themselves spiral. Get whatever help you need, do whatever you have to do to do this well, but you must develop a healthy relationship with food. And part of that is being in control of your mindset. And as you move forward and develop this very healthy relationship with food, you're going to understand that you're in control, that the signals your body is giving you is information. It is not an impulse that you have to act on. So when I would get hungry, when I was getting myself lean, I wouldn't go, oh, this hunger means that I must go eat right now. No, it's simply information. What that information is, is that I'm turning fat into energy. And in that process, the body is sending me a signal that I have this far interpreted in my life to mean that I am hungry and thusly need to go eat food. I'm gonna recontextualize that desire and I'm going to make no excuses and say my goal demands that this is what I eat. Now I'm gonna make sure that my goal is honorable. I'm gonna make sure that my goal is healthy. But if my goal is honorable and healthy and my goal demands that I act in a certain way, eat certain foods, not eat other foods, I'm gonna do it. And when the hunger pains come, I'm not gonna make an excuse to say, well, I have to eat because I'm hungry. I'm gonna make sure my body has what it needs. I'm gonna make sure that mentally I'm in a good place and I'm gonna do what my goals demand. Period, end of story, simple as. Now, whenever somebody hears, I know that this is going to really upset people. And I want you to understand, when you get upset like that, it's pushing a button inside of you on something that you don't have ownership of over yet. And if you want a mindset that is going to allow you to achieve your goals, you have to understand what is real and you have to be able to sort the truth from the bullshit. Now, the reality is all of us have our limit, but we can push that limit farther. You have to be able to create that animal inside of you 
That is discipline, drive, desire, hunger, myopically focused on what your goal is, what your outcome is, and the ability to push through and to keep going with all the people yelling and screaming in your ear, telling you it's not achievable for you, it doesn't make sense, whatever it is that they're telling you. If your goal is honorable, keep going. Chin down, muscles tensed, anger at the center of your soul. Channel it, focus it, be able to endure. One of my favorite quotes, I'm gonna paraphrase, but this is really close. To the people I care most about in the world, I wish you suffering, failure, pain, embarrassment, loss, anguish, grief, because being able to push through those things proves the only thing that really matters, and that is the ability to endure. If you want to achieve really amazing goals, the kind that make the hair stand up on the back of your neck, the kind that make you excited to be the person that you are, the kind that wake you up in the morning early to get out of bed with a spring in your step to go do this thing because it's challenging and it's amazing and it's exciting, you're going to have to have ferocity. You are going to have to be intense. You're going to have to be able to endure. You're going to have to be able to push through pain. You're going to have to be able to get yourself excited. You're going to have to be able to do things that other people say are impossible. You're going to have to keep going when it's hard, when it's cold, when you're tired, when you're bored, when you're broke, when you're angry, when you're whatever the fuck is going on in your head that makes you feel weak. And it will come for you as it comes for me all the time. And in that moment, you have to be able to shift into that gear that says, I will not let anybody stop me, let alone me. Now, that will not happen by accident. You will not suddenly wake up with that energy. That energy comes from cultivating. That energy comes from telling everybody that's telling you that you're being too intense, you're being too hardcore, that you would never want to be Goggins. To fuck off. Weak-minded people get weak-minded lives. Strong-minded people get strong-minded lives. What do you want? Do you want external things to control you? Or do you want to control yourself? One of the earliest breakthroughs that I had in my life was when I realized that I had the ability to self-soothe. I could run into something really painful, really embarrassing, really difficult, and I could get re-centered and keep pushing forward. Not because I'm special, because let me tell you, I'm not. Because I realized I couldn't trust my emotions, that my emotions were coming from a place of weakness that I had not gotten control of yet, and that my job was to get control of it. And a big part of getting control of it is just not allowing that in yourself. You have to set a standard for who you want to be and then strive to be that person. There is so much power just in being willing to admit to yourself where you're really at. Once you know you can trust yourself to admit where you're really at, then you can build a path, an actual plan to get yourself where you want to go. But if you lie about where you're at, the subconscious part of your brain that you're going to have to get on board is not going to believe you. And you won't get where you want to go because you won't trust yourself to take the actual steps. So stop bullshitting. Hold yourself accountable. Walk the walk. You do that. You've got a mindset that can handle the pain and the suffering. You'll get where you want to go. You're going to fail in your life 
that I can promise you. The only way to do and achieve anything interesting is to risk failure. The good news is that failure is the number one most information-rich data stream on planet Earth. So failing is actually a big part of the process. So I don't want you to worry about the fact that you're going to fail. I just want to make sure that you have the mindset that's going to allow you to rebound from that. So when you feel broken, when you feel embarrassed, when you've been knocked to your knees, you're going to be able to rebound quickly because you have a mindset that understands the nature of failure itself. And the nature of failure itself is that if you're willing to stare nakedly at your inadequacies, completely accept that that failure was entirely your fault, not point the blame at anybody else, even if there really are people to blame, because that's not going to help you, other than to say, I picked the wrong people, or I didn't help them get the skill that they needed, whatever, but looking for what you would do differently next time so that you can actually do it different next time so you can actually get the better result. If you can do all that, stare nakedly at your inadequacies, recognize what you need to do differently, and then have the strength to endure through all of that emotional pain and the boredom of having to do this again with a slight tweak on it to improve, to iterate, and then try it again, then you're going to be able to get where you want to go. Then you're going to be able to run what I call the physics of progress. The physics of progress are exactly what I just said. You try something to the best of your ability. You fail to some extent. You don't make excuses. You stare nakedly at your inadequacies. You figure out what you did wrong, what you can do differently next time. Then you do that different thing next time. You will fail again, though, but you'll be a little bit closer. You'll once again assess nakedly. You will get a little bit smarter. You will try again, and you will just keep going in that loop over and over and over, and that loop will lead you where you want to go. So when you feel like you've lost your willpower, the answer is just get up and try again. And if you don't have the energy, ask yourself one simple question. Why are you doing what you're doing? There's a reason that Simon Sinek says start with why. Once you know why you're doing what you're doing, now you've got the chance to actually dig deep in those moments where you feel that everything you've built inside of you has failed you. You're going to be able to reach in, remember why you're doing this, which is definitively going to be about you and how you can help other people. And if it's not, if it's just about you, we found the problem. Because you need to do something that allows you to serve not only yourself, but other people. We have an in bread need to serve the tribe. So figure it out. Figure out how what you're doing is going to help other people. Lock in on that. Also, in those moments where you're down, and if you ask yourself, why am I doing this? And you think of all the beautiful things you're going to do, all the people that you're going to help, and it's still not enough. And those times will happen. You're on your knees. No amount of helping somebody else is going to get you back up. Do you know what's going to serve you in that moment? The darkness. The dark side. Anger. Rage. Fury. Ferocity. If you don't have those, if you can't access them, if you think that they are off limits in some way, you won't have what you need to be resilient when your willpower fails you. So my friends, as Jordan Peterson says, become a dangerous man or woman 
be capable of great violence and keep it under wraps. Because in that moment, when you're broken, what I want you to do is channel into that. And you're gonna think about the people that want you to fail. You're gonna think about the people that will dance in your grave. You wanna think about the people that will laugh as they read your obituary, who will laugh as they think about all the things you said you were gonna do that you never did and that they knew you were a loser. Think about them. And in that moment, raise your weapon, in your mind, of course, and refuse to let them be. In today's highly unpredictable and rapidly changing world, the smartest move you can make from a financial standpoint is to actually understand how money works and how markets move. Because if you wanna have any chance of investing your money wisely and growing your financial portfolio, you have to make a profit. And the only way that you're going to do that is either by setting and forgetting or actually understanding what's going on at a macro level. So whether you're a seasoned investor or someone looking for extra guidance, today's sponsor, Yahoo Finance, has got you covered with all the tools, data, and news that you need in one place to grow your knowledge base around what is happening in the world of finance and to make sure that you have the right goals and you're executing well. Yahoo Finance makes it easy to consolidate your accounts so you can effectively and efficiently manage your entire portfolio. Personally, I love how straightforward their platform is to use. It is very simple to get the information that I need. And Impact Theory's own chief financial officer is exactly the same, spending time helping me frame exactly what is going on from a global perspective so that I'm making the smartest decisions that I can. I definitely recommend that you check out Yahoo Finance for comprehensive financial news and analysis. Visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Once again, guys, head there now, yahoofinance.com. If getting your hands dirty and taking good care of your car or cars is a passion of yours, then eBay Motors is here for the ride because I'm sure you remember when you first saw the potential in that beauty. And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly with eBay Motors. Brake kits, LED headlights, exhaust kits, turbochargers, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Right. It's easy to look at me as an after photo now because I've achieved success. But there was a time where I was broke and alone and nobody knew, not even myself, if I was actually going to achieve the things that I set out to do. I had told my wife that I was gonna make her a wealthy woman. I had told my father-in-law, don't worry, I know what you see is a young, out of work kid that's broke. It's not gonna be able to take care of your daughter. But I promise you, and this is a quote, I will one day make your daughter a wealthy woman. And after that whole speech, my now father-in-law told me he did not want me to marry his daughter. Now, he's always been very kind to me, and even in that moment, he was kind. But he was not unclear about the fact that he did not think I was the right person to marry his daughter. 
because he didn't see how I was going to take care of her. And so there were many a night where I thought about the people, him included, and other people who have made fun of me over the years that every time I fail or fall down, they are there to laugh or the people that have called me idiots in front of an entire company of people, not once, not twice, not a dozen times, not two dozen times, 50 times, 100 times, too many times to count. I think of their face. I think of winning. I think of defeating them. I think of victory and nothing short of rising up covered in blood and battle scars. And I'm sure to some people that sounds cheesy, but that shit gets me going when I'm in that dark place and I need that extra bit. Now, it's a dangerous tactic because you don't want to spend too much time there. You do not want to spend a lot of time thinking about the people that want to tear you down. You don't want to spend a lot of time thinking about the people that are going to laugh in your grave. You don't want to spend a lot of time thinking about the motherfuckers that have doubted you before this moment. You don't want to spend a lot of time there, but God damn it, in that narrow band where nothing else is going to get you back up, you better know how to tap into that. You better be able to put your chin down, furrow your brow, imagine grabbing your fucking sword and getting off your knees and slaying some dragons. And if you can't imagine that, you will stay broken. There's the light side of the force and there's the dark side. And if you only know one, you will be a victim to the other. If you really want to master a skill and truly become one of the greats, there are certain habits that you are going to have to master if you want to pull it off. A lot of this is going to sound really boring, but I'm telling you, if you don't do this stuff, you will never get there. Number one is sleep. You must get your sleep. You're going to have to optimize your body and your cognition. I don't care what it is that you're trying to do. If you do not optimize your mind and your body, you are never going to get there. That's why when I see people that are slaves to their bodies, I know they're in trouble. It does not mean that they are morally worth less. It just means that they are not setting themselves up for success. Get control of your body. Get control of your emotions. You must do those two things. Get control of your body. This has somehow become a contentious thing. Boys and girls, I'm telling you right now, if your body controls you, if your body is telling you what to eat, if your body is telling you when to get up, you when to sleep, you when to move, you're gonna have a problem. That doesn't mean we don't listen to our bodies. Our bodies are super intelligent. But it does mean that in a modern context with a modern diet and terrible sleep habits that the odds are that our body is dysregulated. So the things that it's saying don't make any sense. It's kind of like when you get drunk, you're not saying your most coherent shit. And if your body's totally knocked out of whack by what you're eating and how you're sleeping, the sensations that it's gonna try to use to communicate with you two are gonna be out of whack. So you have to be very careful. Get control of your body. Get control of your mind. Sleep, eat, well, it's beyond the scope of this question to say specifically what that is, but eat whole food whenever humanly possible and reduce your carbohydrate intake. That's about as simple and basic as we can make it quickly. So once you've got your sleep happening, your diet's right, now we're gonna make sure that we meditate. It's gonna help us stay focused. It's gonna help us lower our anxiety and our stress, which is going to shift what part of our brain we're in so your nervous system can go from fight or flight to rest and digest. The sympathetic nervous system, fight or flight. The parasympathetic nervous system, rest and digest, okay? You wanna be able to shift out of those as the situation demands it. But most people spend so much time in fight or flight, 
that they actually don't know how to shift back over to the other side. Gonna need to do that. You can't do that. You are never going to achieve anything great. I promise you, because you are a slave to your body. You are a slave to your anxiety. You're a slave to your fear. Again, I know because I struggled with it very profoundly. How did I get out of it? Sleep, diet being the biggest component, exercise, another great one, working out. It's going to teach you a lot about yourself. It's going to help you get control of your body and your mind. Got those things right. Lowered my anxiety from a dietary perspective. Meditated a lot. Started to control the emotional component. Have a healthy distrust of my emotions so that just because I feel angry does not mean that I should go act angry. A lot of times I'm like, hmm, maybe that's an insecurity that they've triggered in me. And if it is an insecurity that they've triggered in me, why on earth would I play that out? It doesn't make any sense. My goals do not demand that behavior. My goals demand that I stay centered, able to communicate well to other people. By doing that, now I can move towards my goals. Now I can take a step towards greatness. But you really have to get those basic mind and body habits right daily if you're gonna make progress towards something that is hard. It just is the truth. Hard shit is hard. And to stay focused and pushing through the hard things, you've got to have optimized your body and your mind and to make sure that you're not a slave to your emotions. Because if you let them run away with you, you are never going to be centered and make the optimal choice. You might be aggressive when you should be calm. You might be calm when you should be aggressive. If you don't have your wits about you and you can think straight, then you're not going to be able to get where you want to go. And then next, Boys and girls, you've got to understand that this whole game is turning potential into skill set. And how do we do that? Disciplined practice. We know what we want, and now we're going to go after it in a hyper-disciplined way. We're going to learn everything that we can as fast as we can, and we're going to start deploying that knowledge that day. So you want to launch a website? You want to learn about launching a website? Cool. From 9 to noon, we're going to learn. From 12.01 to bedtime, we're gonna execute. Not in a week, not in a month, not when I'm sure I know what I'm doing, because you're gonna have to fight through a lot of fear to get to the other side. You're gonna have to embarrass yourself over and 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 over until you learn and get it right. It just is what it is. Unless you're a super genius, and if you are, God bless you. Shocked that you made it this far through the content, but all the rest of us mortals, have to run the physics of progress, have to make mistakes, have to fail over and over and over. Now, if you're fighting against your emotions, the first time you fail, you're going to make it somebody else's problem. You're going to run in the opposite direction. You're going to make sure that you never find yourself in that situation again. Because there's two things that you can do with embarrassment. I'm never going to be in that situation again and run in the opposite direction. Or I'm never going to be that unskillful again. In which case you run towards the problem, which is your skill set. You address it, and then you move towards the problem. And you try again, and you realize, whoa, I got better. You still probably won't be as good as you need to be, and so you'll begin the process again, but each time you'll notice that you're getting a little bit closer to your goal. But you have to have everything else right, or you won't even get out of the starting blocks. Do you know why I've been able to achieve things in my life that most people haven't, even though I am, I promise you, of average intelligence? Any guesses? I didn't give up. Everybody else gives up. 
the first time, the first time people embarrass themselves, 70% give up. Second time, another 70%. Third time, another 70 so on and so forth, until that remaining percentage is ridiculously small in absolute numbers. So I just don't give up. In fact, we'll call that a daily habit. I don't quit. I embarrass myself. I fail a lot. I'm constantly confronted by my limited intelligence in a way that actually is very emotionally difficult. But because I'm not a slave to my emotions, I don't let that derail me. I ask myself, what needs to be done in order for me to accomplish my goal? Remember from an earlier answer? I said, hey, I write down the important things. I put them in order. I know what I should be executing against. So, hey, I just failed. Wow, that really sucks. I feel really stupid. People are laughing at me. Huh. What's next on my important things list? Do that. Just keep going down the list. And then the greatest irony of all time, you can stack failure on a long timeline. Why? Why does that work? Because in failure, you learn something unless you make excuses. But if you're making excuses when you fail, you will have run in the opposite direction a long time ago, so none of this is going to matter. But when you fail and don't make excuses, that knowledge that you get from each of those failures stacks, and now you become a little bit better. Now, over time, you're able to do things other people can't do. And so one of the things you need to remind yourself on a daily basis is on a long enough timeline, I can learn so much that I can be anyone at anything. And the reason you can be anyone at anything is you're the only one that's never going to give up. You and me. It's just the two of us. It really is just the two of us. Everyone else. It's comical. It's heartbreaking. It is the central fight of my life to figure out what do I need to do and say to get people to not give up. In fact, all the words about everybody giving up is also that hopefully you don't give up. I want that for you. I believe in it for you because I know that it worked for me, that it works for me every day. I was originally hired as an employee at a company, but they said, hey, don't think of yourself as an employee. You can become an owner, but you have to earn that. And if you earn it, then that opportunity is there for you. I saw them give that speech to 50 people, maybe more but I actually became an owner. And I went from copywriter to owning 10% of that company. And then the next company that we started, we started as equal partners. And that company was Quest Nutrition. So the first company, well, I started as a copywriter. We built it into a multi-million dollar company. Then Quest becomes a billion dollar success story. Now Impact Theory is my third multi-million dollar company in a row. Average intelligence. But I've got my body right, my mind right, a willingness to push through, to embarrass myself, and to realize that if I just don't give up and I never make excuses and I'm willing to fail and learn and try again, that I really can do something great. But it's from a really basic set of things that I do every day. Go to bed on time, sleep as much as I need, don't use an alarm clock, intermittent fast every day, 
eat whole food only whenever humanly possible, exercise, love. In fact, that's what I'm going to say. I have a loving wife. That matters a lot. Get somebody in your life that you love that loves you back. It's fucking incredible. One of the most important things that you could do. And then, important things. Go down that list. What you got? What are you doing? And then just keep learning. Keep executing. Never give up. Be ferocious in all things. And you've got it. There is a huge difference between putting in 10,000 hours versus deliberate practice. Now, what is this whole idea of the 10,000 hours? It's actually an idea that was first put forth by Anders Ericsson, uh, talking about deliberate practice and how when you do that for roughly 10,000 hours that you achieve greatness. The idea was popularized by Malcolm Gladwell. And it is a brilliant idea that if you're going hard at something in a very deliberate and specific way designed to get better at each unique piece of that thing, whether it's chess, building a business, um, setting an Olympic weightlifting record, whatever, it's going to be a lot of little discrete packets. And if you figure out how to get good at each of those things, then by doing all of that for about 10,000 hours, you will have hit what I'll call the first rung of mastery. Because let me tell you, the things that I'm really good at in my life, I've put a lot more than 10,000 hours into it. Now, what I want to differentiate between is 10,000 hours of just repeating something versus 10,000 hours of deliberate practice. Deliberate practice is about breaking that thing down into all these little discrete pieces. So... For anybody out there that's ever tried to get good at music, I played the trombone for a lot of years, seven years, eight years, something like that. And you have to play scales, a lot of scales. You have to figure out your lip position. You have to figure out how to hold the slide, how to move the slide, how to read music. You have to figure out all those different discrete pieces. Then you put them together into uh, over an amount of time into a play style that allows you to actually contribute to the band or to play a solo or whatever it is you're trying to do. But you have to do all of those things well for it to come together in a way that you can actually play music well. So if I just played around on the trombone for 10,000 hours, I would be more or less the same skill level at the 10,000 hours. I would not have achieved mastery. But if I go in, okay, here's scales, here's lip position, here's reading music, here's how to move the slide, all of that. Here's how to play this piece of music. This part in the music I'm bad at. How do I go and figure out, is it reading the music poorly? Is it playing that rhythm of notes? What is it? Practicing that thing to get good at that part of the music because there's no way to outsource that, so I've got to get good at that. In fact, it's about not playing the parts that I'm good at that I really want to play and focusing on the part that I suck at until I get good at it so that I can progress overall as a musician. That's deliberate practice versus 10,000 hours. It's not just putting in the reps, right? As they say, practice makes perfect. No, perfect, deliberate practice makes perfect. Any deviation from that is gonna be suboptimal. And that's why we keep refining and we keep going and we keep pushing the limits because 10,000 hours really is the bottom rung. You can constantly get better. There has not been any one thing in my life 
that I have ever thought, oh, I'm as good as I'm ever going to get at this thing. Now, there is definitely a point of diminishing returns where I'm not getting good as fast as I was getting before. There are definitely things where I realize, uh, maybe I should outsource this part of it, right? So in business, no one person is gonna be equally great at everything. There are so many subdivisions in business that that's why most people end up hiring just, I mean, if they're the, even they make it all the way to the top and they're the CEO, even if they're in a company of a thousand people, it's, they do one very important thing, but they do a small handful of things. And then you've got a thousand people under them that handle all of those other tasks. So as a percentage, it really is minuscule, even for the CEO. So it's figuring out what are the things that I'm going to go develop mastery in and what are the things that I'm going to outsource, okay? So you are looking for that, right? So there are just certain things for me that I'm not good at. I don't get a big return. So like when I try to deal with the financial stuff, I'm just like, Jesus, nothing about this comes intuitively or easy for me. And so while I need to understand it well enough to not be bamboozleable, I'm not going to become the CFO. I'm not even going to become the COO. There are things about that that I also need to get good at. But the thing that I am good at, vision, people, execution, marketing, that, like getting good at that, okay, that's where I'm going to put my energy and my effort. So leaning into the things that you get disproportionate returns, leaning into the things that you love and are willing to put in that kind of struggle, pushing past boredom. I've said many times that boredom kills more dreams than fear or failure because you have to do those scales over and over and over. You have to focus on the part that you can't outsource but does not come easily to you. You have to go grinding into those areas over and over and over until you get good. But the great news is the odds of you finding something that you will get so good at that you truly cannot eke out any more progress in a human lifespan is virtually zero. That is one of the most beautiful things. So guys, break it down into those discrete packets. Make sure that you have the energy and the fortitude to push through all the boredom to get to that point where you're really getting good. And then make sure that this is something that's beautiful, exciting, thrilling enough, and helps enough people that you go long past those 10,000 hours. If you do that in the format of deliberate practice, truly the sky's the limit. One of the key things, if you've got a goal that really matters to you and you're trying to build up to it, is to make sure that you're tracking your progress. The key to tracking your progress is to pick the most salient stat that you can track. Now, the problem is people tend to track what's easiest to track. That's not going to work. You have to track something that actually matters to the outcome of the thing that you're trying to do. You're trying to shave three seconds off of your uh, 400-meter dash. Okay, what are things that we could track in the 400-meter dash? How many times we go to the track, okay? Might be meaningful. In fact, that probably is. That actually is something you might want to track. How many days uh, out of the um, week did you go to the track? But you're also going to want to track how many times did you run the 400-meter dash? You may want to track how many times you ran an 800-meter dash. Maybe the key to your progress is running something slightly longer, but still as all out as you can. Or maybe it's just, nope, how many times did I run the 400-meter, 400 meters in a day? And that is the, uh, the main metric that we're going to be tracking. So you're going to find out over time what's the thing that's actually leading you towards your goal. So we know 
goal is to shave off three seconds off of running the 400 meter dash. We're going to figure out what the thing is that actually leads to that outcome. Let's say that it's the number of times that we run the 400 meter dash in a single day instead of, and you'll probably need a second one because you can't do that once and get there. So number of times that you run it in a single day and how many days a week you run that. So if we know that there is a threshold of, if I run the 400 meter dash 10 times a day and I do it at least four days a week, boom, that's the optimum time. You'll only figure that out by getting in there and doing it. Now, everything is gonna be different, but you're looking for the thing that is most salient, that actually gives you the biggest outcome. So obviously, I've already made base assumptions in running that you'll be able to apply to anything. So if I'm trying to shave my time off, I know I'm gonna have to run, right? That's self-evident. I know I'm gonna at least have to run the thing that I want to do, or at least that's my early hypothesis. I suppose it actually is possible that um, like with marathon running, I think they a lot of people say that you don't have to run a full marathon. It's like the number of hours you spend in a certain heart band, heart rate band, like you wanna get that there, or uh, I know they look at heart rate variability. So those might be things you're really looking at when it comes to uh, long endurance running. So the goal is we know that if we're trying to shave time off, we're gonna be doing that thing. We're gonna be doing something that pushes us out of that zone. And by the way, a lot of this stuff, the first thing to do when you set a goal is go research and figure out what have other people before you come up with as the most salient thing to track. But that's the goal. You're gonna figure out the most salient thing to track, and then you're gonna make sure that you're doing it, and you're gonna make sure that you're actually making the progress that you want. It is very rare that the progress towards your goal is gonna be binary, meaning you do it for six months, and then you test it once, and it either did or did not work. That's not how progress towards a goal works. It's gonna be, you're doing that thing, and then the thing that you've identified is the most important thing for you to be tracking, and then you're gonna actually test it. So you're gonna go run the 400 meter dash, let's say once a week, all out at the pace. Are you a half second off? Are you shaving any time off? Have you made any progress yet? And so you're gonna figure out what that minimal interval is at which you're gonna to wanna to retest yourself. Like with losing weight, it's probably not a good idea to test yourself every day. First, you can become obsessive with just the weight, and really your goal there is gonna to be to lose fat. And then second, there might be days where you go up, but you're actually doing the right thing. So you have to be thoughtful about also finding that duration that you wanna test at. So you're gonna find the key metric, you're gonna find the interval at which you're going to test that key metric, and then you're gonna make sure that you're actually making progress. If you're not making progress, the easiest thing to do is to bring in a coach, somebody that's gonna bring a lot of years of experience and be able to help you figure out if you're checking the wrong metric, doing the wrong thing, or what it is that you need to adjust. But as they say, you only improve what you can measure, so you wanna make sure that you find the right thing. But don't just track what's easy, track what's effective. Here's a clip from a past episode where I've talked about this before, check it out. Once you understand the whole reason to acquire a skill is that it gives you power. Now I'm gonna define power. Power to me is the ability to close your eyes and imagine a world, the world the way you wish it was, and then open your eyes and make that world come true. That's power. And the thing that stands between you, where you are today, and your goals, where you wanna get, is a gap in skill set. It is a gap in abilities. 
And once you're willing to look nakedly at your inadequacies, to literally build your self-esteem, your entire sense of self-worth and value is built around one thing. Whenever you face an obstacle, whenever you face a difficulty, whenever you fail, you have one thing that you say to yourself. On a long enough timeline, I can learn this. When you switch your life around to that, whatever your goal is here, whatever part of the honors club or the leading edge you're at, or if you want to go beyond that, whatever that is, wherever you want to go, plant that flag, identify the skills that you would need to get there, and then set about every day getting those skills. Here's the problem I find most people have. They judge themselves through the lens of a moment. They fail at something. They miss the honor club. They don't close that deal they thought they were going to. They embarrass themselves. They flub something. And they think that defines who they are. But I'm telling you right now, you're not defined by who you are. You're defined by who you want to become and the price you're willing to pay to get there. And if you're prepared to become the best, you can become unstoppable. You can build something other people think is impossible. You can build something out from under a mountain of doubt. There's a price to pay for change. And I've had a lot of you come up to me and ask questions. And there's a look in people's eye. And I will tell you, one of the questions that hides behind what people are actually saying is, Tom, am I going to make it? Do I have what it takes? When you look into my future, can you see me making it? And I'm going to cut to the chase for all of you, and you're going to mistake what I'm about to say for good news. And then I'm going to tell you why it's actually the worst thing I could tell you. You all meet minimum requirements. You all meet minimum requirements. So whatever it is you want to do, I'm not going to say that it's going to be easy for you because you're ultra smart or something. You probably aren't. But everyone that I've encountered here, literally, without exception, every single person that has come up to me and said something, you meet minimum requirements. Even you awkward motherfuckers that have a hard time like making eye contact. Even you guys, I'm telling you right now, You've got some shit you're gonna have to deal with, but you meet minimum requirements. Now, minimum requirements for what? For whatever you want. Now, that sounds great, right? Oh, shit. Tom said I can make it. This is amazing. But all I've actually said is now, if you don't make it, it's on you. And that's it. There's nobody else to blame. Everything is your fault. Everything. The good stuff in your life, that's on you. You did that. You either put yourself in a position to deserve it, to be around people that want to help, to take care of you. Luck came by, you were able to capitalize on it. Because like we talked about earlier, luck's like a bus, another one's coming. But will you have the fare to get on? And maybe that's it. Maybe you just got really lucky. But you had the fare. 
to get on the bus, and that's on you. So you should be very proud of the things that you have in your life. But all the things in your life that aren't to your satisfaction, those are all your fault. Now I'm going to tell you a story, and this story pisses people off. And it goes like this. My wife, who happens to be British, dig it up for England, let's say that she is with her mom, and she's in the bedroom that she grew up in. She's all safe and sound, the door's locked, the alarm is on, her mom's in the next room making sure that she's safe. But right then, a meteorite comes screaming through the atmosphere, crashes into her bedroom, and kills her. Whose fault is that? I know some motherfuckers have listened to my content. I will tell you that right now. Now, if people don't know me, everybody goes to, it's dumb luck, divine providence, it's nobody's fault, how could you blame yourself? Well, let me tell you how I can blame myself. And when you hear the reality of this and you realize that I am in no way, shape, or form being hyperbolic, it actually is my fault. Here's why. I know right now there is an organization that track what are called near-Earth objects. In fact, I'm on the board of the X Prize. One of the prizes that they're trying to raise money for is for this problem, to track all these known objects and to find some way lasers, planted nuclear explosions, something to make sure that if something is ever on a collision course for Earth, that we can stop it. Literally, four weekends ago, I had a chance to vote for this, to say this should be a prize, and I didn't. So now, not only have I never sent a dime of my money to help, I've never sent an email with encouraging words. I've never called them up to tell them what I think they should do. Now I literally voted against them. So if a meteorite happens to kill my wife, I don't have anyone to blame but myself. That's so apparently true. Now, I think it's the right decision. I think that putting the time and energy into something that has such a vanishingly slim possibility of actually happening makes no sense. You have to know where to put your energies. All of us have a finite amount of energy. So you at some point have to triage and decide what are the things that I'm going to attack. I'm far more worried about my wife getting into a car. The likelihood of her dying is almost certainly going to be, at this point, something to do with heart disease or something to do with an aneurysm, things like that. It, most certainly isn't going to be a meteorite crashing through the roof and killing her, but if it did, I wouldn't waste time blaming anyone else. Now the key here, the key, I wouldn't beat myself up over it. I would be crestfallen. My wife is my everything. It would be a loss so devastating I don't even want to comprehend it but I just wouldn't waste time blaming anyone else because the reality is, and let this come home, your life is the exact reflection of the choices 
you have made. Love your life? Great, you've made awesome choices. Hate your life? I'm sorry, you've made bad choices. Humans lead with belief. That may be the single most important thing to understand. Humans lead with belief, meaning you don't do something and then believe you can do it. You won't even take the first step if you don't believe that your actions will be rewarded with results. That's why so many people are paralyzed because they think that they're not worthy, they think they're, or they know they're uneducated, they know that they're not the person that they need to be in order to accomplish. And the reality is you're probably not. The fact is your skill set has already taken you as far as it's gonna take you. So if you are unsatisfied with where you are today, I have some horrifying news for you. I'll chase it with some good news, but first let's start with the bad. The bad news is your life is an exact reflection of the choices you've made. That's it. It's not circumstance. It comes down to- If you strive to perform your best in life, bringing your energy and abilities into everything you do, then it only makes sense that you would want to be out on the road with that same power, agility, and performance that everyone expects from you. And there's no better option than the most desirable, advanced, and dynamically capable SUV yet, the third generation Range Rover Sport. You guys know I love staying on the cutting edge with technology, and the Range Rover Sport's cabin features advanced technologies such as active noise cancellation and cabin air purification, a must, offering you and your family and friends new levels of comfort and refinement while traveling. The Range Rover Sport provides an instinctive drive with engaging on-road dynamics and redefines sporting luxury for the power, agility, and performance you demand in every area of your life. Explore the Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. That's LandRoverUSA.com. Skill set and choices. You've chosen to build a certain skill set. You've chosen to do certain things, take certain risks, play certain things safely, whatever the case may be, those were all choices. Now your life is a reflection of that. What I want you to understand though, the belief, the only belief that you need to have, that thing that is going to allow you to take that first step is not to believe that you're capable of what you're trying to build because we all know you're not. I knew that I wasn't when we started Quest. I knew I wasn't the person that I needed to be. I understood that. It just didn't paralyze me because I believed one thing. And if you take nothing else from what I say today, burn the following statement into your soul. Humans are the ultimate adaptation machine. That's it. Charles Darwin is often misquoted as saying, that it's the strongest of the species that survive. He'd never said that. What he actually said was, it's not the strongest of the species that survive, nor the most intelligent, but rather the most adaptive to change. We're the apex predator for a reason, because unlike any other animal, we have the ability to go in any direction, any direction we want. We're the only species that you can find anywhere. At one point, James Cameron was actually at the bottom of the Marianas Trench. I believe the very meaning of life is to find out how many skills you can acquire that have utility and then put that utility to the test in service of someone else. It's what the ancient Greeks called techni. 
I've worked my ass off for this set of skills. They are unique to me, and they help other people. And in being able to help other people was something that I worked very hard for. I feel good about myself. And I will make you guys one promise right here today. The game you're playing, please listen to this, so that you don't end up wasting years of your life like I did mine. The game that you're playing is not success. The game that you're playing is not money. The game that you're playing is brain chemistry. It's about fulfillment. The only thing ultimately that's ever going to matter in your life is how you feel about yourself when you're by yourself. The things you say to yourself quietly in your mind when no one else is around, that's what matters. And becoming somebody that you're proud of, in whatever way you define that, is completely open to you. Humans are the ultimate adaptation machine. We can grow in any direction. It is what we are designed to do. What scientists used to call junk DNA. And they were so confused because humans only have 20,000 genes. Some onions have 40,000 genes. And they thought this can't be. Onions just aren't more biologically complicated than humans. So what's going on? And then they realized all that junk DNA that they were dismissing, that's epigenetic information. Meaning, this one animal, this human animal, is designed to respond. We don't come pre-programmed. We come ready to adapt. We come ready to change. We come ready to grow. And once you know that that is the nature of being a human, that that is the beautiful gift of this life, is to see how much you can grow in whatever direction you want, towards whatever end you want. But the gift that you have been given is the ability to change. So if you don't like who you are today, that's okay. It doesn't matter who you are today. It only matters who you want to become and the price you're willing to pay to get there. And once you understand that you can always make a different choice and get a different reaction. And that's the power in your life. That's the power that you have, is no matter what's going on, you can choose to think differently, believe differently, see differently. All of those things are a choice. Read Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Lost his whole family to the Holocaust. Was in, I think, five different concentration camps. And he said, the thing that people die of in a concentration camp is the loss of a why. And Nietzsche said, if you have a why, you can survive almost any how. Because you can always change how you think about something. And when you change how you think about it, it's what we've been talking about all day. When you change how you think about it, you actually change the event. We have to construct a narrative about it that moves us forward. And this is why I'm such a firm believer that you should do and believe that which moves you towards your goals. People get the do part. They understand their actions should be actions that take them towards what they want to accomplish. But people often miss the most important part, which is only to believe things that move you towards your goals. And I see people every day that tell themselves a story about themselves that they are worthless, that they're meaningless, that they're pointless, that their friends and family would be better off if they just died. 
So we have to find a way to construct a narrative about ourselves that empowers us, that lifts us up, even though, even though we make mistakes, even though we fall down, even though we're never going to get things right all the time, and even though terrible things happen to us, or maybe we do terrible things. But in that, the erosion of the self, that's the danger. The erosion of the self, that is the danger. And when I talk to people about the 80-20 principle, 80% of the time you should be focused on the things that you love, the beautiful things that you want to bring to this world, the beautiful things that are already in the world. And 20% of the time you should be kicking yourself in your ass and saying you can do better. It's such a powerful idea. But the problem is when people get to the 20%, they forget that it's only supposed to be 20% of the time. And that it's meant to be these acute moments where you're pushing yourself to be more, to do more. It isn't so you can tear yourself down. That's why you have to do and believe that which moves you towards your goals. And if thinking that you're a worthless piece of shit moves you to your goals somehow, then fine, do it. But I can't literally fathom a universe in which that would be a logical way to move forward. So I'm going to give you the magic words that you need right now to never fall prey to that. Believing I'm worthless does not serve me, and I don't do things that don't serve me. Repeat that in your head every time you begin to disparage yourself. Because here's the problem. You're going to believe it's true. You're going to believe that you really are worthless, that you've really done something that makes you worthy of punishment, that means you ought to suffer. And in that moment, you're never going to be able to convince yourself that that's not true. So you need something else that's going to get you off the hook. And it has to be that core belief system in your life, a belief system that you put in place when you were emotionally sober. And you said to yourself, I'm making a pledge. I do and believe that which moves me towards my goals, period. Not when it's convenient, always. And that becomes a guiding light in my life. If the guiding light in your life is that you only do and believe that which moves you towards your goals, when you get into that loop of beating yourself up and thinking that you're worthless or that you're never going to make it, remember that. That belief does not serve you. And you don't do things that don't serve you. I've often said, the point of life, the meaning of all this chasing you're doing, is one simple thing. How do you feel about yourself when you're by yourself? I know a lot of people that fear that quiet. I know a lot of people that don't want to be alone with themselves. And the reason they don't want to be alone with themselves is because they don't think they're worthwhile. They're not happy with who they are. That's what adaptation is about. If you're not happy with who you are, then let's step into the ownership of that. Let's remember that's our fault. There's no one else to blame for that. The people that did horrible things to you are not to blame for that. Because if they are, there's nothing you can do. But if you're the owner of that, 
In fact, don't even worry about the word blame. You're in control. That's what this is about. It's about retaining control. It's about knowing that you own your life. And at any time, if you want a different outcome, you can make different decisions. You can do different things. You can start a new narrative. And once you begin that new narrative, you realize the power that's in that to take you where you want to go. But it begins with identifying what is your goal. Once you have your goal, then you can work backwards to what you need to do in order to accomplish that goal. And that is the chasm of adaptation. It's the acquisition of skill set. It's getting better at something. It's becoming capable of something that you weren't capable of before. But that change, the fear of the unknown, is the thing that paralyzes people. We are designed to adapt. So wherever your business is now, whatever your skill set is now, whatever your vision of yourself is now, you can change it. You can become anything you want to be. But life is going to ask you one simple question. What price are you willing to pay to get there? And that's it. That's the hard truth. If you're willing to pay the price, then you can become whatever you want. You can become truly capable of the extraordinary. But you've got to go through the process of building that skill set. You've got to be willing to stare nakedly at your inadequacies to understand that you aren't yet the person that you want to be or need to be to execute against your goals, but that you can become that person and then start walking down that path. And day by day, brick by brick, build the skill set that you want. The person that you are has gotten you as far as it's ever going to get you. So you've got to become a new person. You literally have to adapt. Now the great news is, like we talked in my first talk, that is what humans are wired to do. Humans are the ultimate adaptation machine. The reason that we are the only species that you can find in every corner of the globe. At one point, James Cameron was literally at the bottom of the Marianas Trench. We have sent human beings to the moon. We are going to send human beings to Mars. And the reason we're going to be able to do that is we can adapt to our surroundings. There was a woman who swam the Bering Strait. Really think about this. The Bering Strait is the space between Russia and Alaska. So you can imagine it's not quite a swim in the Bahamas. To make the swim, she had to change her fat from what's known as white adipose tissue to brown fat. Brown fat is more thermogenic, so it actually kicks off heat. To do that, for over a year, she had to expose herself routinely to cold temperatures, sleeping in the winters in Alaska with the window open. But in doing that, she actually put her body through an adaptation response. Her body got the message, adapt or die. So it adapted. And when you're willing to put yourself under those kinds of stresses to become that new thing you want to become, to be the new person that you want to be, to go farther than anyone you know has ever gone, to be the fucking goat, it is possible. But it demands a price. It demands a price. And what this weekend is about, it's about you deciding for yourself where do you want to go? And what price are you willing to pay to get there? 
Now, if you guys have been keeping up with brain science, I am here to tell you right now, you can become anyone you want. Now, the process of taking myself from scrounging in my couch cushions to find enough change to put gas in my car to building a billion-dollar business was all about building a set of beliefs. Now, I believe that the Matrix has us all. I don't actually think we live in a simulation, but I think the movie The Matrix is the perfect metaphor for the human experience. We have all pulled a web of lies over our own eyes, and the web of lies is what you tell yourself about what's possible for you and for the world. And once you get that web of lies over your eyes, you simply see it as reality, and you don't understand that each one of those fundamental beliefs is alterable, that you could choose to believe something else. In fact, you don't even realize that they are beliefs. Einstein has a quote. It's one of the most important quotes in my life. The most important question any man must decide for himself is whether or not he lives in a friendly or hostile universe. Now, what I love about that quote, so what's hiding in it, is that it's a decision. You get to choose whether you're living in a friendly or a hostile universe. There's no objective reality. It just is what it is. You're going to get what you see. You're going to get what you focus on. And you see what you focus on. So the more you focus on, the world works against me. I've got bad luck. The more you're going to see proof of that. You're going to seek it out. You're going to act in accordance with that belief. If, on the other hand, you believe the human potential is nearly limitless, that the human animal is, by its very nature, the ultimate adaptation machine. Think about this for a second. Humans are the apex predator unlike anything else the world has ever seen. We can live in any corner of the globe, from the Arctic to the deserts. At one point, James Cameron was literally at the bottom of the Marianas Trench, which is the deepest part of the ocean. Humans can not only get there, they can thrive. Now, nature had to make a decision with every animal. Do we create something that comes pre-programmed? Think of a horse. When a horse is born, it can already run, jump, walk, eat. A human, on the other hand, takes the opposite approach, where nothing is pre-programmed. But now you can go in any direction. When humans are born, we can't hold our own head up. This is something that really freaks me out. Humans are so incapable of taking care of themselves, you could literally lay an infant next to a bottle and it would still starve to death. We can't hold our own head up. We poo in our diapers. We are literally in need of constant care for years of our lives. Now, this comes with a benefit, which is that we can adapt in any direction that we want. And the most beautiful part of this is it never stops. Even as you get older, you can decide that you want to go in a different direction. You can change the course of where you're headed. And so in this role that I found myself as budding entrepreneur, I set out to learn everything that I could, to understand what is my goal, and then to work my way backwards. One of the most profound things that ever happened to me, and if you guys haven't read the book, Anti-Fragile by Nassim Taleb do. In that book, he lays out the difference between something that is resilient and something that is truly anti-fragile. I'm going to say somebody that's unstoppable is truly anti-fragile. And what anti-fragile is, 
The more you attack it, the stronger it gets. So something that is resilient or tough, it is still defined by its breaking point. The more you go after it, eventually it will break. Something that's anti-fragile grows with that. And I believe each and every one of us can build a mindset that is truly anti-fragile. There is only one thing that I have found that is actually anti-fragile, and it looks like this. I was there with my partners. They routinely made me feel stupid all the time. They were older than me. They were more than 10 years ahead of me on their entrepreneurial journey. And so I was just wrong all the time. Now, up to that point in my life, I actually called myself the king of remedial jobs. Up until then, I'd only gone for jobs where I knew I'd be smarter than the person interviewing me. I knew that at some point during the interview, they were going to ask that magical question, which made me feel so good about myself, which was, why are you here? Why are you interviewing for this job? And I lived for that because it made me feel smart. So here I am now, not in that world anymore. I'm with guys who are way ahead of me. They're way smarter than me. And I feel dumb all the time. And one day I find myself arguing for this path in our business because it was my idea. And I knew it was wrong. That was a hilarious thing. I knew it was wrong and yet I was arguing for it like really passionately. And then all of a sudden it actually worked and they agreed to do it. And I thought, oh shit, now what? <laughs> I've been telling my wife that I'm gonna make her rich and here I am arguing for something that just makes me feel good about myself. And I had this moment of crisis. And I asked myself, no judgment. What do you really want? Because if what you really want is to feel good about yourself, to feel smart, to be right, to be worthy, if those are the things that you want, then get out of this company because you're wrong often. You're making mistakes all the time and your partners are so far ahead of you that they make you feel stupid. So this is like, that doesn't make any sense. So if you want to just go feel good, go back to being the king of remedial jobs, be in places where you're always feeling smart, where you're usually right, and live that life. But if, on the other hand, what you really want is to actually reach your goals, then you're going to have to stop worrying about feeling good about yourself. And both of those felt flawed. Everybody needs to feel good about themselves. That, that's just the reality of being a human. You've got to find a way to feel good about yourself. But I really believe everything you do in life should be in service of your goals. And now, in this moment, where I'm hoping the people that are left here right now are the diehard motherfuckers that are going to make change no matter what, I want some people to step forward and I want you to tell me what you're afraid of. I want to know why you don't think you're going to make it. We have a brave soul. Let's hear it. Yeah, give it up for that. I'm afraid of getting to the end of my life and realizing that I did not become the best version of myself, knowing that I got to the very end of my life and I did not accomplish every single thing I know I believe in my heart that I deserve to have. And I know the only thing that's stopping me is myself. I love that. I think that's the right fear and I think all of us should have some form of that fear, which if you didn't hear 
is to have a vision of the person you could become and to reach the pearly gates, as it were, see who you could have been, contrast it with who you actually are, and be disappointed by the gap between them. And I love chasing that. I think it's a beautiful chase. But what I hope you guys will do, if you ever find yourself at the pearly gates disappointed in how much farther you could have gone, to simply ask one question of yourself every day. Did I give it my all today? Doesn't mean you're always gonna win. Yeah. If your life is a series of fuck yes I did, you've won. You've won. Guys, the struggle is guaranteed. The struggle is guaranteed. The struggle is guaranteed. The success is not. And like the thing that I beg you guys is to have the guts to fail at something that you love. And when you are on the mud, on your face, and people are laughing, the I told you so's are coming out, that you remember one simple fact. You loved what you were doing and you left it out on the field. What the fuck else is there? Legitimately, like I'm getting emotional. What the fuck else is there? What more can you ask of yourself than to really fucking try to really say, I give a shit about this? That's the life to live. That's the life. Like to say, I care about this. It matters. It gives me purpose. I'm going to fight for this. This is a group of people I want to serve. And I'm going to go all the way out every day. And look, you're not going to hit it every day. There's going to be days where you're off. There's going to be days where you're weak. Weak. But if that day, instead of bullshitting yourself, instead of saying, I wasn't weak today, what are you talking about? If that day you fucking own it and you say, yeah, I was weak today and I'm not going to be weak tomorrow, but I'm not afraid to face that. I'm not afraid to accept that I'm not perfect. I'm not afraid to look in the mirror and say today was a bad day, that I didn't make myself proud today. But that shouldn't diminish who you are. It shouldn't diminish your view of yourself. Why? Because I wouldn't serve you. Because if you beat yourself up today, you make it harder for you to be rad tomorrow. It's a game that has to be seen in total. It's not a game where you can take a fucking snapshot. And this is like what I want you guys to understand. In any one moment, I've looked like a fool so many fucking times I can't count. But when I look at my life in 10-year chunks, I'm freaked out by what I've accomplished. And so I want you, above all, to focus on truth. So that somebody, they may walk out of your clinic, they may never come back. Because you either solved their problem or you weren't going to be able to solve their problem. You knew that. And so you sent them elsewhere. But that person becomes a referral. If you're taking notes, write this down. Never, never go for the sale always go for the referral. Never go for the sale. Always go for the referral. When that person believes in you, they trust you, you had a moment to monetize them to get the quick dollar and you didn't, that person now wants to give you money. It's literally incredible. And I can't, like, I'll, I'll give you guys an example. So I create content now. I create a lot of content. I put about five to seven hours, depending on the week, of content out every week. And I don't monetize it. I don't charge anything for it. And I know people are waiting for the other shoe to drop. 
and at the end of this, you're waiting for me to hit you up with something, anything to buy for me, there's nothing. I want to add value. Now, my full disclosure is one day I may have an ask, because I create, my new thing is creating movies. And so maybe one day I just want you to tell people that the movie exists. I don't even need you to go see it, but if I've ever added value to your life, just tell somebody it exists so that I can find my audience. I'm not joking. I have had people show up at the gate to my house saying I just wanna work for you for free because I dig what you're doing. Three or four people have come up to me in the back already just since I was here and saying, thank you for what you do. That's it, thank you for what you do. Imagine that, but that's the world we live in. That's the opportunity that you have is to just play the long game. And I don't believe in patience. In fact, I have a shirt that says F patience. I am not a patient man. I am the least patient person you are ever going to meet. I am actively anti-patience because you will accomplish nothing in your life if you're patient, nothing. And anybody that tells you to be patient, I want you to be immediately skeptical. But what I always do is I play the long game. I play the game of reputation. That's what you guys have to do. You're in a battle for your reputation. And I would say the thing that you guys need to do is turn inward and not tolerate it. 